Hello, how are you? It's been a few weeks. This is just bloody bite size, a series of summertime mini magnum podcast episodes that bring back some of my favourite guests from the past six seasons of the Just Bloody Post-It podcast. It's another chance to listen to some wonderful people in case you missed their episode the first time round or need reminding about their great words and advice. Each bite-sized episode this summer is getting its own word or intention because while Just Bloody Post-It is a marketing podcast made for creatives who are promoting their work online, it's only really brilliant when it's about the people and their stories and what we can learn from them. And so this time the word is calm and our first guest is the chartered psychologist and author of nine books about self-care, Susie Redding. I couldn't possibly choose a favourite person I've been connected with or discovered thanks to Instagram, but Susie would be on the shortlist. She's a wonderful force for good, sharing encouraging, calming content daily, whether it's quotes or memes or lives that ask women and mums and people to be kinder to themselves and find a calmer, peaceful life full of simple tools that help us when the going gets tough. When Susie and I chatted in season two, it was September 2021 and the world was on the way out of pandemic restrictions. Susie explained how her life and work was transformed when she had to rebuild herself following the death of her father and birth of her first child. You became a mum and lost your dad within a very short time of of both things happening together. What actually physically and emotionally were the consequences of that for you? What did it look like? How did it look when you don't take care of yourself well enough, I guess? Okay. So in that experience, you know, I I don't know whether it was postnatal depression. I don't know whether it was sheer exhaustion, whether it was grief. The best way I can describe it is energetic bankruptcy. You know, this feeling of having nothing left in the tank but being acutely aware of my responsibilities uh, and knowing that I needed to do something to take care of myself, but kind of not knowing where to start. And from there, it was like little by little reclaiming, nourishing action, because the things that I would normally do to take care of myself were totally inaccessible to me when I became a mum. I didn't have the same time or the same space or the same energy, the same funds. And in that brain fog, it was actually really hard to identify what I could do. But my daughter's just turned 11. I've had 11 years to articulate this toolkit. And I can say hand on heart, there are so many things that we can do to fill us up, to help us move through our emotions. And, you know, the birth of my second child wasn't an awful lot different to my first. We um, moved back to the UK to be with my father-in-law who was in in end-stage heart failure. And that experience of motherhood second time around, it was vastly different. It was still painful. It was still depleting. But with this arsenal of tools and and these new skills, it made all the difference. I know it works. Susie, I'm like, I'm a little bit older than millennial. I hear self-care. I sort of hear a, a bit of a buzzword. Is it bubble baths? Is it lighting candles? Actually, you know, what is it? Spot on. Is it a fad? Is it a buzzword? Is it narcissism gone mad? It's none of those things. Where the term originated was in the context of people in high-risk roles. So we're talking surgeons, 
the Police Crash Investigation Unit. Self-care was originally used in the context of these high-risk workers and it was talking about how these people could take care of themselves so that they could sustain that caregiving role. But the fact is no human being is immune from stress loss and change. So it's not just the people in these in these high-risk roles that need nourishment. Everybody needs it. And I think that's what we've we've definitely learned firsthand through this experience of the global pandemic. So from that perspective, what is self-care? Self-care is healthcare. It's taking care of ourselves physically, energetically, emotionally, and mentally. And if that kind of doesn't resonate, well, let's think of self-care as energy management. It's it's the stuff that allows us to get through our day, to de-stress, to vent, uh, to give us a protective buffer against what comes next. So I'm hoping with those two definitions, there'll be something that resonates. Do the simple practices that you kind of use yourself, do they apply to everybody or is self-care different depending on who you are? Is it what exactly would you, what would you do if you were feeling a bit up against it emotionally? The fact is, I think there are broad fundamentals that, that we all need to address. Now, whether that's our sleep needs, rest and relaxation, time in nature, social connection, uh, nutrition, hydration, uh, creative pursuits. We all need an element of these in our lives, but how it manifests for individuals varies greatly. But also, it doesn't just vary from one person to the next. Our own needs are ever-changing. So how it looks in our lives will keep changing. The kind of things that I keep coming back to are the simple things that don't cost any money, that don't take any energy, that I can do whether I've got two kids in tow or whether I'm on my Todd. They're the simple things that I can that are just accessible to me anywhere. So it's it tends to use the body, whether that's some kind of stretch or some kind of movement or some kind of breathing practice, some kind of touch, massage, or whether it's just a kind word where I can extend a little bit of tenderness towards myself and say, oh, sweetie, of course you're having a tough time. This is hard. That's what self-care looks like in my day. I do love a stretch. Oh, my goodness. I love a stretch. Why is this so needed now? Why are we so short on self-care now? It's not just the pandemic. This was a discussion that was being had, you know, way before that. Do you know, I think the pandemic has so many of the ways that we would normally take care of ourselves we've not been able to do. So I think it's really got self-care on the radar where we've had to think about how can we meet our needs, you know, with these ever-changing variables. But you're right, it's bigger than that. Um, I think it's because we are embedded in a society that conflates self-worth with productivity where we feel like, you know, we live by this you snooze, you lose kind of mentality, which is nothing short of dangerous. Um, and for so many people, you know, I, even when we've dealt with these um, issues of, of perceived lack of time, funds and energy, people are still feeling like they don't deserve it, that they're not worthy of it, that, um, you know, it's okay for everyone else to do it or, or maybe we could do it but we've got to clear our to-do list first. So there, are, there really are some significant barriers that we still need to unpick some things we need to unlearn. Mm, you're very much talking me round to getting in touch with my own self-care needs a lot better, which I'm sure very many people listening will be able to relate to that kind of 
sense that you are putting yourself last, that you you need to address things that aren't great in your life, whether it is around eating, drinking, exercise, rest, spending time with people you just enjoy spending time with, things like that, prioritizing that stuff. What it doesn't normally become associated with is social media. You promote your work on Instagram, which has been called the platform that makes its users most unhappy. How do you find it, Susie? I found genuine connection in those squares. I sort of treat it as a hobby. I mean, of course, it's an integral part of my my career as an author. Are you under pressure from publishers? Are all writers under pressure from publishers to have an online audience? It's certainly encouraged. And, mm. and, a, and a lot of publishers will say it's a deal breaker. I started my Instagram account as a savouring album of happy snaps of my kids. Now, for anyone that's had a little glimpse at my feed, you'll know that that's a complete, what I'm doing now is a complete departure from that. For me now, I use Instagram as as a means of self-expression. I just enjoy that I can pop a little note to self on there and it's something that's either lightened my load or it's helped me process or understand or it's a, a concrete tool that I'm working with. And, and one, it's, it's helping me move through my stuff. But if that can make a difference to somebody else's day and if we can create a community around that where we genuinely take care of each other, how is that not nourishing? Susie is such a wonder and I hope that hearing her has made you feel calm i have a favor to ask if you enjoyed this bite-sized episode i've just bloody posted it tell your friends about it on social media it's how new people find the show now there's a link to follow susie in my show notes and to check out her books and if you'd like to to listen to the longer version of our conversation the most calming well wishes to you bite size is back next week thank you for listening bye